With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for August 4th, and this week took us to Leeds, Maine, and the disappearance of Alex Jackson. Bob connected with Alex's sister, Kayla, for a quick conversation on Alex's last known whereabouts. We have a lot of questions this week, and Bob, Janet, and I are here to dive into all of them. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. we got a full room in the YouTube chat, and we've got a lot to cover today. This case is... This is an intriguing one. I uh, We were discussing in the pre-show how, for me in particular, and I know Zach and Janet too, and, and a lot of you listeners, this is like one of those cases where we want to like dig in and do a deep dive into it. So it's I've, I've been struggling a little bit this week trying to just get the information for the follow-up and then move on to the next case when the, this case has so much that I feel like needs investigating. So I, I did spend a large part of this week leading up till now and most of today trying to because i know you guys have tons and tons and tons of questions uh that are they're kind of left open after the episode on sunday uh so i try to get answers to as many of those things as i can and uh, and trying to get verifiable answers so this is one of those cases that you know you know alex has been missing for a few months now so there's there's a ton of local attention there's the the Facebook group I told you about. There's another Facebook group that's talking about it. And there are tons of rumors. There's a lot of good information. There's some misinformation. There's some unverified information. So I spent a good portion of today reading through a lot of posts and reading through a lot of comments and talking to some people that have been following the case for a long time and tried to trying to suss out what is for sure verifiable information. And what is, I'll, I'll call it unconfirmed stuff, because there are some things that like seem like this could be true, but no one's able to confirm it. So it, it's one of those, it's almost like a game of telephone, it seems like, where it'll be like somebody will come into that chat and say, this happened. You know, for example, somebody's like, well, well, you know, Alex had had run off to Vermont and disappeared in the past. And that one person says it. and then. 40 people keep repeating it and it just becomes like canon. It becomes part of the story. And then you, you start digging into it and finding out. And it's, and I've seen, you know, on that particular topic, some people said, yeah, well, he actually, he moved to and lived in Lee in, in Vermont for a little while. 
but didn't disappear. And then other people, other people are saying he disappeared. And then some people are saying it was for six weeks. And then other somebody's saying it's for six months or six years. Uh, so there's, it's, it's unverifiable if he had gone missing before or if he just lived there. And so there's a lot of things like that. So, and I'm only bringing that up because I know a lot of you have been very active with this case in particular, looking through, trying to gather as much information as you have, as you can. And you're seeing things and it's hard to decide or de- decipher what's real and what's not real. So I, I'm hoping at least along the, the, the lines of timeline that I can, I can at least break down the things that seem to be confirmed and how they're confirmed. It, it, with that, uh, I'll start with Janet this week. Janet, Janet, what did you think about, about this case? And we talked a little bit about, you got a little bit of a sneak peek because I was having kind of a moment and I needed to talk to somebody. So. That was you while you were walking the streets of, of Rhode Island about it before the episode came out. Yeah, I mean, it's super intriguing. It's unsettling. I obviously don't want this family member to be missing, but there were, from the interview, a lot of questions that came up for me as well. I've seen many to all of them echoed in various posts on the Truth and Justice page. I, too, went down a bit of a rabbit hole today trying to solidify some stuff. And so I, I know that I and many other people are very eager to hear what you feel to be the most dependable timeline. Yeah. What do you think, Zach? As Janet said, it's intriguing. And the way I feel about it after listening to the episode, I mean, to kind of quote our our friend David Ridgen, is someone knows something. Yeah. And that's the way I feel about it. There's somebody out there knows something about this. I, I don't know who. I don't know if it's people they were with or people that they don't know that they're with, but there's somebody out there that knows something that more than what we know. It's definitely wasn't one of those cases for me where it's like, oh, I can listen to it and then share it and then move on. Like this one is, this one is really stuck in my craw. And, and I think part of it is because I just really, my feeling, I was going to say my gut feeling, but it's not that it, it, my feeling based on what we know about the case as I kind of started to break down at the end of the episode is I really fear that something has happened that that something has happened to Alex. Somebody took him or or worse. It just I just don't the evidence that we know of to me, and even more so after spending the day today looking into this, doesn't seem to me that Alex just decided to take off and leave. And we'll get into that as we get into the questions. Well, do you want to start us out with the timeline? I know Again, we've had a lot of questions about that. How do you feel about the information you have and how things were playing out and when? Yeah, so I mean, it seems like everything Kayla told us w- was accurate. There's a few other things or things that that when I saw them, I was surprised she didn't mention. Not really surprised because it's you know it's a lot more stressful thing than people think when you go and you're being recorded to do this. That you know certain things might slip your mind and, and left out. But then I realized when I was listening, they weren't really left out. It was just they were touched on but not dove any deeper into them. And I didn't know enough about the case at the time to ask those, some of the, these follow-up questions. So the big question I had is in, in trying to understand this day is first of all, is, is trying to get some kind of a timeline together. When did Alex leave the house? And I haven't seen an answer to that. I don't know that anybody for sure knows the answer to that, but a couple of friends of his received Snapchats from Alex that day. The first one, and, and unfortunately, the the person, and so like I'm getting these, and like, and I've seen, because everything I'm trying to do is get like source material for, and the person that I was talking to that was kind of helping with this, or trying to sort through, like, I don't, I, I don't care what people are saying, I want to know what do people know. 
And uh, this this friend that got the Snapchat took a screenshot of it so he could share it, but he didn't see it till the next day. So it's the the way the timestamp worked on on Snapchat, I guess, is he didn't get, he waited long enough. He didn't get an exact time, but sometime in the 11 a.m. hour on that Friday on the on the on May 12th, Alex sent a snap out the window of his truck, like a picture of his side view mirror, and. In the side view mirror, you can see behind him the trailer loaded with something. To me, it looks like you just kind of get a glimpse out of the corner, but to me, it looks like some kind of heavy equipment on the trailer. He's driving on the road. There's some kind of heavy equipment on the trailer. So that already conflicts with what we heard potentially to be true. Kind of. But if, if you go back and listen to what Kayla's saying, she's not saying really anything like, She's not saying he definitely left without the trailer. And, and and it sounds like where his parents live is like a subdivision. So like the the, the trailer would be kept most likely, I think, out at like a uh, at the farm in Hiram. So maybe he left and then went and picked up the trailer. At eleven in the morning, he's driving, hauling this. What you know? Uh, somebody said in the YouTube chat, bulldozer. It it, it could be. That's kind of what it looks like to me. It looks like some kind of big heavy equipment. Later in the day, and they don't know what time, but it was in the afternoon. He sent another snap, same image, like same same picture, like out the window of the side view mirror, and you see the trailer behind the truck, and the trailer is empty. So it seems like you know the the you know, the, the the meaning of the snap to his buddy is just like, oh, you know, I'm hauling this thing. Look, I got a trailer load, and then later he's like dropped it off driving down the highway. He's definitely on a divided like four lane highway in that second picture. You can see that behind him and in front of him. Now, I will say that there are people that, you know, of course, everybody is like working and trying to like break down theories and all this or people that say we think those are old pictures because of like the foley of the tree line. To me, it looks like what you'd expect from early May. I, I've never been to Maine, but I know like in Michigan, early May, you've got green in the under foliage. You've got trees starting to bud out, but they're, you know, depending on the type of tree, like maple leaves will be leaved out, but like oak trees or other trees won't be. So you've actually seen these yeah. photos? Okay. Yeah. And I have to see if I can have permission to share them. I don't think that'll be a problem, but I don't want to promise that I can share them because I didn't ask the individual that showed them to me if that's okay. But it, you, you see trees where like the treetops are, are, are not leafed out, but they're, everything down low is leafed out. To me, in Maine, in early May, that makes sense. Also be a super weird thing, I think, to like, why snap somebody those images? Right that you saved from earlier. It seems just like a strange thing to do. But so the beginning of the timeline is best. We know is that 11 o'clock he was driving somewhere, hauling the trailer. It was some kind of heavy equipment on the back of it. Then we have kind of a blank period of time with no timestamps, but we know some things happen. Like you heard, like it sounds to me like nobody really, there was no like clear plan. It wasn't like Alex went to, Kayla or his girlfriend Megan or anybody and said, okay, my plan for today is to go do this, this, and this. It was like he took off, went and got the trailer. He had communicated with his with his girlfriend that he was he was picking a tractor up somewhere. A lot of the things like going to Skowhegan, like when did that come in, is a little bit wishy-washy, but it sounds like that was from a conversation that he had with his girlfriend. We do know one thing that wasn't mentioned is, and I've seen like the screenshots from an employee at a place called the Red Roof, which I think I've heard was like a hardware store slash gas station. I've, I've heard it described 
both ways, but there's, you know, like snacks and stuff in there. There's an employee from that hardware store that says that, that, and that's in Leeds, that Alex with Joe and with Hazel, the dog, were there at some point that day. That they were in there and they went and I think they said they bought snacks or something and left, which kind of tracks with what Kayla was telling us that, you know, at some point he was up there, he's with Joe, they went out and they got some food. That might have been that trip. But so at some point, we know he's in Leeds with Joe. There's actually a witness outside of all this. It's just an employee at the store that says, yes, those two were here with the dog at some point. So a weird thing that we hadn't heard about is there's a person in Hiram, which is where their property was at, where um, where Alex and Megan have that property. There's a person in Hiram that said that Alex, and I've seen like this person confirming through like messages again screenshots of this stuff confirming that alex was supposed to be there around three o'clock that day to pick up a bulldozer and he never canceled and never showed up at three o'clock the plan seemed to be that it was three o'clock it was a little concerning he didn't show up there then we jump to the conversation with his girlfriend with megan happens about 3 30 and, you know, Megan just says from the the comments and stuff that I've seen from her, she just says that they were chatting on the phone about he was going to come down. He said at that time that he was like in she her impression, at least sounds like was that he was in the truck with Joe and that he was going to be back down to Hiram to do chores later that day. The kind of conflict there is that what Joe seems to remember is that. Alex is like outpacing around talking to somebody. I don't necessarily think that's a conflict. You know, or as we know from years of doing the work that we all do, that your brain will tend to tend to connect dots for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if you if he's like, yeah, I'm with Joe, we're picking up a tractor, whatever in Skowhegan, and I'll be back about 530 to do chores in her mind. That must mean they're in the truck. And so they're in the truck could have been. They were sitting outside somewhere. Here's where things get a little bit weird. At 3.44 p.m., and this is where things get tight, where we have some verifiable times. At 3.44 p.m., Alex texts a friend named Hannah, and he says, you a milk inspector now. Now, what's interesting about that, according to Hannah, is she had just she's another farmer. She knows Joe. Very well, and she knows Alex. She's kind of a mutual friend. She just had just gotten a job as a milk inspector. According to her, only her family and Joe knew about that. That text in context makes sense if Alex is with Joe, their mutual friend, who happens to be the person, one of the people that know that she got this new job. If Joe's like, hey, Hannah just got a job as a as a milk inspector that he would message. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're a milk inspector now. So he sends that message at 344. It seems like right around here, something starts going on. I don't know what it is, but back to kind of the point I made at the end of the episode, what doesn't seem like it's going on is that Alex is in like some kind of crisis and is planning to run away and disappear right now. It's not the impression I get at all. I mean, that's a very casual text to a friend at 3.44. Now, at 3.45, we heard Kayla say 
that Alex talks to their friend Walter, who is the guy that owns a farm in Gorham, which is down south by where and and i'll get i I haven't made a nice digital version that i can post cleanly but i'm going to put a map up for you guys to see where these locations are at but he lives down south of where they live and leads is far north from there but you know caleb said he talked to walter and walter said hey if you need help i can come get you and alex says no i'm fine i'll be all right i'll be by at some point that didn't really catch my attention at that point. It just was kind of ambiguous. It was just kind of part of the story. And again, I think that's, you know, Kayla's nervousness and stuff. Like, like she, she remembered that detail, but didn't really expand on that. Mm-hmm. So the story that's out there that, that, you know, rumors have snowballed from this. But from what I understand, there was another friend, guy named David, who lived in Bath, which is down again, south, but east of. Uh, like over by Portland, who said that Alex was going to come by his house that evening and was going to pay him. Like maybe that's what the $150 were for was to pay him because he works at their farm sometimes. He even said that maybe they was going to come and have like a dinner that they've got a weekly dinner on Friday. Sometimes he comes by and has dinner with him, whatever it was. David says he that he was expecting Alex to go to his house that night. But, and I'm going to jump ahead a minute. So the, the, conversation with walter happens at 345 according to the sort of like the family and everything and conversation that's the time that was verified was 345 so 344 he texts hannah and says oh you're a milk inspector now a minute later he has a conversation unclear if this is a phone call or a text message i believe the way that kayla put it on the podcast was that he messaged walter but i don't that could be a call it could i don't i don't know but so it's one minute later that happens Hannah notices that he never, I don't know if it was Facebook Messenger or whatever, that he never opened and saw her response. She's, when, when she, at 344, when he sends the military inspector thing, he never opens it. She responds several times and he never opens it after that. David says that at 358, so about 13 minutes later, that he had contact and apparently he had verified, he says that he had verified this with the phone records, the time that he wasn't going to make it because he was having car trouble. So now we look at the timing. The Walter saying, according to Kayla, that the Walter's like, "Hey, if you need help, I can come get you." And he, which I took at that time to mean like, "Oh, was he having like a crisis? Like, is everything okay?" Well, now it sounds like what he was talking about was that he was having trouble with the truck, or at least that was the impression. And 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 this is where we get into some sketch. I. I Everybody's got, they know for a fact what happened here as far as him having truck problems, but no, but everything, a lot of things conflict, but supposedly that was the deal with Walter. The Walter situation is a bit of a mystery because he was supposed to go pick up a bulldozer in Hiram, uh, and apparently he had a check in hand from the family, I believe, to buy that bulldozer, and that check has still never been cashed. But he's supposed also supposed to go to hire him to do chores. But then you have David in Bath saying that he was going to stop by there. And then you have Walter, him telling Walter, at least the way Kayla put it, and maybe it's not that Kayla might have just been kind of talking off the cuff, but the way she put it was that I'll get down, I'll, I'll make it down there. So there's three different places where people were kind of expecting him. I've also heard from, from what I've seen from different, different people who knew him, know him, and have posted and commented about him that this is not 
atypical Alex behavior. Double booking, being busy, not, you know, like the way it was put to me was he's like the most dependable, reliable guy at the same time, the most unreliable guy. Like if he says he's going to help you, by golly, he's going to help you. But if he says I'll be there at three, may not be there at three, may Mm. show up at five, may show, you know, whatever. So we got like three different places where he's supposed to be. But after that 345 phone contact with Walter, where he says, and this is where people have said he had a friend coming to get him. They said he was having car trouble, but he had a friend coming to get him. But that's not the, that's just not the exactly the way that we heard Kayla describe that. It was just that he said, I'm okay and I'll get down there or whatever. So there's, there's, there's some talk of there's car trouble around 345. And he's with Joe at that time. There was there was a couple of different, I, I believe, David and um, and then again, Kayla or uh, excuse me, Megan had said that he, that he was with Joe during those conversations. And also at 344, again, is the text to Hannah that says. You're a milk inspector now, which only Joe knew. After that, the last contact is at 358 contact with David, according to David, where he says, I can't make it. I'm having car trouble. And then at 428, 30 minutes later, the text goes out to Megan, his girlfriend, that says, going to Vermont. And then that's it. It's incredibly strange. Now, that call, they said, from what I read in the, in the, in the news reports, was that that call pinged a tower in Monmouth, which is just east of Leeds. I've heard that you know that same tower might cut, because it's very rural out there. They're probably big macro cells. That that tower also covers all the way up to the Leeds area, but it's up in that area where the text comes through that says going to Vermont and then disappears. All of this to me reinforces in my mind that Alex did not run away, and all of the people that had contact with him that day, all of the people that spoke to him, the confirmed phone records we have, the locations he was at. Nowhere in there is anybody saying that he's that he's having trouble, that he's running away from anything. He just it sounds like he's running behind. He's sending Snapchats of look, I'm hauling this bulldozer or whatever it is, and now this now it's gone, and then just poof off the face of the earth since then. Truck, the trailer, all of that gone. You know, none none of it has been seen since then. That is the best timeline we have so far. I will, uh, some other people have mentioned, I saw somebody in the YouTube chat have put in too, that in another group, somebody had, had said that he told other people, and I think somebody posted in our group too, that he told other people that he was going to Vermont. Well, what that is, is there, there's, there's a friend or two, or somebody said, two of his friends said, I guess, that he had mentioned to them earlier in the week that he may be going to an auction in Vermont. From what I've seen, no one has said he said he may be going on Friday or Saturday. Certainly, there wouldn't be an auction in Vermont on Friday night, so maybe Saturday. But that that was where that came from, was that he had told somebody that he may go to an auction in Vermont. Nobody said when. But everybody that was with him that day, there was no talk of going off to Vermont until Joe says that he told him when he was leaving that he was going to Vermont. But then he just disappeared. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the the car trouble thing interests me because this is the first time we, that I feel like I've heard about it. Yeah, it is. And I don't know if we have any questions, but that that's a very interesting concept that he's had. That he's, there's an idea that he's having car trouble, but if he's having car trouble, where's the truck and the trailer? So it doesn't seem like there's actual car trouble. Well, right. And then somebody said that it was, it turned out to be a sensor or something, but like, I don't like it's all, but that's the type of stuff where I'm, nobody can confirm that as well. Like somebody said that. And, and I'm not saying that it's incorrect or that it can't be confirmed. I'm saying mm-hmm. I wasn't able to source it. What I'm trying to do is source stuff. So it's like, well, so-and-so said it. Okay. Well, well, where did they get that information? Well, they said it. So it's true. Well, that person said it to that person to that. But yeah, but who is the one that has the source knowledge of the fact that it was a sensor on the car? And again, I'm not saying that's not out there. I have not been able to find that stuff yet. And the, the, the 345 contact with Walter. The the way that I took it originally was Walter contacted him saying, hey, if you need me, I can come get you. Yeah. But it seems like there's a point of contact before that where he had to contact Walter to tell him something was going on. Right. Yeah, I thought so, too. From my understanding, from what was shared with me today, and some of the stuff seems like it was confirmed early on, but it's just kind of, you know, there's just so much going on here, was that that there was a call to Walter. And he told Walter that his car was broke down, and then Walter said, well, I can come get you. And he said, no, somebody else can get me, which still fits with what Kayla had said. But my question is, why would he call Walter then? Unless it, unless it just happened to be, because nobody else, nobody else has shared, like, was this, was that a text or was it a call? Did he call him or did, did he call Walter or did Walter call him? Now, could it be that just out of the blue, Walter just like, hey, what's going on? You want to come by? And he's like, man, I'm just. I'm up here in Leeds right now. My car's broke down, and oh, do you need me to come get you? I don't. I don't know have those those, those details because the question to me was, if the car was broke down and somebody was helping him, why would he call Walter to tell him my car's broke down? But I don't need you to help me. When it also doesn't seem that Walter was on the Walter's house was on the agenda that day. So that so there, there's still a lot of mystery here. But those are the but all we have are those those bullet pointed timelines where it seems like at three thirty he's talking to Megan. She doesn't seem to think there's anything wrong. He's just coming down. They talked about about some stuff and that he's going to come down and uh and and do chores. Three forty four certainly doesn't seem like anything's wrong. Just sends like a very casual, friendly chat to his friend Hannah, just saying, "Oh hey, you're a milk inspector now. Everything's fine." Three forty five is the Walter call. And I don't know if that's an exact or an about. I believe it's a, it was presented to me as an exact, but uh, maybe it's an about. It's 
cars broke down, but somebody's coming to get me. Then a few minutes later, talks to David, according to David, and says, hey, I'm not going to make it. My car's broke down, which seems to confirm that that talk. And then 30 minutes later, going to Vermont. And all that's very so. So let's say that they discover there's something wrong with the car at 345 based on these records. That would mean that 43 minutes later, the car is, they figure out what's wrong, the car is fixed, and now he's decided to drive this car he just fixed to Vermont. That, to me, makes zero sense. Like, especially out in that area. Like, no one knows where they were at that time, but, like, to get to a point to get, let's say it was a sensor and they're right. you gotta you got to plug that into a machine to figure out the sensor it is, what sensor it is. Get to an auto parts store, get the sensor if they have it, and then tear it apart and change it. Like to go from cars broke down, I need help, to I'm going to Vermont in less than 45 minutes doesn't doesn't track with me. I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I'm just so I'm I, I see a lot of stuff in the chat um, where folks are talking about how. It seems a little bit strange to folks that you would make the decision to go to Vermont that late in the day, that it's kind of a long haul. Some folks are saying it's could be as little as three and a half hours. Some people are saying it can be as many as six and that some of it could be back roads. And I don't know if you're hauling that trailer. Yeah, it seems like from looking at the map, there's like kind of two ways, like from Leeds, there are back roads that can take you straight to Vermont. Or if you want to go on highway, then you got to go south all the way back down to like portland i think where is there all the way down to the southern tip of maine and then go around and back up like there's no highway that goes from leeds to to vermont without that to me i'm guessing maybe that's the six hour route in the back roads or the three and a half hour route i don't know but yeah again it's it it's all very strange and what did joe say the timing was of him no longer being with alex he from Joe, I think he said it was around three thirty. That and again, this is secondhand from Caleb, but it's like like three thirty. We know is when the phone call happened with Megan. Joe says that he's wander, he's kind of pacing on that phone call, and then around four he leaves. Which at three fifty eight is when he talks to Dave. I mean that would track that around four o'clock he left, and he tells says that he tells him when he's leaving that he's going to Vermont. And Joe, there's no part of the conversation with Joe in which he says that there's been car trouble. I haven't heard that that is the case, but I don't. I, I can't say that one way or another. That's not. The, I should say like this. This this has been very, very difficult on the family. Just missing someone in general. It's also as often happens with this is there's a bunch of people that want to help, but then. People want more and more information. The family's talking to the police. The police are telling them don't share information. And then people want more information. And then it, it creates some kind of drama. The, the family has been through a lot with that, you know, with a, with a lot of people that have been been pretty kind of awful to them, I think, while they're trying to go through this. So they so like like I haven't spoken with Kayla since we did the interview. Like we did the interview, sent a couple of messages. She wasn't super responsive before we did the interview. But I haven't heard back. I, you know, I haven't heard anything negative from her. But I haven't heard anything back since then. I, I kind of get the impression that they're like, okay, we did this. We put out more information, and I don't want to. I don't want to keep talking about it. But because of that, unless I hear more information, I don't know. I can't answer that question with any amount of certainty. 
And Lilise, I know that you're in the live chat um, and you had made that long uh, post in the Facebook on the Facebook page, but I feel like we've addressed most of that just through Bob kind of talking through the information he got today and the timeline. Lilius does ask if, if Joe, we know if Joe's family was also there at the house um, and has also heard that police have searched uh, that area and um, some other areas, but there are also a lot of questions from people about where searches have already occurred. From what I've seen, the police are pretty tight-lipped about what's going on here, but there have been search. I, I know for a fact that that the police have spoken with Joe, obviously, because he was the last one to see him alive. I've read that they've done like ATV searches, like they've been out on ATVs doing searches. I know that they really focused search efforts in the like gray North Yarmouth area, it sounds like, which is where the dog was found. That's where Hazel, Hazel showed up. But this is someone put it, put it the other day that, you know, in Maine, they say the woods have woods in them. And just from the pictures I've seen, like there's a lot of deep and dense forest. Um, so it's probably tricky to search through, but, uh, but it seems like they've, they've, they've used ATVs. I don't know if dogs were a part of it, but they've searched down there. I read someone saying that they had searched like Joe's property and stuff up there. I don't know if that's, again, that's something someone's saying on the internet. I don't know if that's verified hmm. or not. Lynn says, can you share now? I'm sure many people are wondering this. Can you share now what you were recommending to police investigators? And do you did you also ultimately feel like Alex's sister was fully open and honest with you? Yeah, I want to part of the, the for the second part of that. Yeah, I, I want to make clear. I don't think that Kayla was hiding anything from me. I don't think she was intentionally hiding anything because there, there have definitely been comments like, well, she, for example, the broke down car. They, well, she didn't tell you about the broke down car. She didn't. But I, like, I don't expect that without me knowing the right follow up questions to ask. To me, it seemed when I listened back today, like that that was maybe on her mind, but it didn't come out when she said that, you know, and he talked to Walter and Walter said, I can come get you. And you like that. I think I think she was describing that incident there. Certainly, there you know, there are people that want to that are wanting to dig into and share, you know, any kind of dirty laundry from from Alex's past and nothing that I, I I've seen the stuff that people have talked about and rumored about and the stuff that's verifiable and not verifiable. And none of it to me has any bearing on this, but certainly that wouldn't be stuff that, that Kayla would want to air, you know, air out any dirty laundry or anything like that. As far as the theory of police, I, I don't want to do that. I, a big part of it was the fact that I'm, that I feel like a crime was committed here that I don't think this was a runaway. I have, kind of some specifics that I've worked through that are just more theory and suggestions to, to people that are have most likely already thought about those suggestions. And I can't tell you that, you know, they're not going to share anything with me what they're doing. So, you know, pass it along and, and move on. But no, I don't want to, because I don't want to get into, because what's, what's happened on some of those pages is people start to theorize and then it turns into people pointing fingers that this person I think was involved and this person I think was involved. And this is a case where, and I, and that's tricky for our audience too. And so like, I know our mods who do an amazing job on our, our Facebook page, managing that have really sort of like, we need to let people, that's what we do is to brainstorm and think and use our investigative minds and, and try to work things out. But at the same time, not have people accusing people of crimes, because in this case, it's not like say like, 
the Pinion Pines last season. We know a murder happened. We know very specific things about who was where and when. And you, and we started having, and, and there's all these public records about those people that were, you know, discussing and trying to analyze how that might fit. In this case, we don't know if a crime was committed at all. So to make the leap from maybe there was a crime or maybe he ran off to there was a crime and I think this person did it is irresponsible. So I, I, you know, we try to limit that stuff as much as we can on the page and just keep it to kind of maybe thinking of ideas and, and certainly not accusations. I'm certainly not going to even voice anybody's names or anything like that if I have a suspect or something like that, because, it's, well, again, we don't even know there's a crime committed and we're dealing with this is while it spans a large area geographically, this is a very, very rural, small town type community, even though they're spread out. But, you know, the, the people in Hiram know the people in Leeds and everybody in Leeds knows each other and York, North Yarmouth and Gray and Gorham, like all these people know each other. And, you know, it's it's not a densely populated area. So if you come out and start saying, well, I think this person might have had something to do with it. And I think that's somebody that, that should be looked at, particularly from this platform, could make people look, well, I heard on the Truth and Justice podcast that so-and-so right. is a suspect. And then that snowballs. Right. So that I just want to let you guys know that's why I'm not sharing that. It's not that I want to keep anything. I'm just I'm just trying to be respectful and I'm trying to be fair and responsible with the information that we're sharing. So we're not we're not negatively impacting anybody else's lives right now. All of my thoughts are passed on to the authorities that could actually do something about it. I think so much of the secondary information we keep coming across, just as you said, I mean, it reminds me of like the old game of telephone where it starts out as one thing and by the time it gets to the end it's completely developed into something else and it's just could be starting as hearsay and then by the time it gets to the next three people it's proven and that's the information we have when it's really not and i I, i'm only not saying her name because i don't know if she wants to be identified and ask that question but the person i was dealing with today was like very good about i in all honesty like I, i text janet earlier i'm like i think this person might tell me to fuck off because i'm just like yeah but I can't take what you just said. I need to know where that came from. Right. But they did not. They spent a good chunk of the day today going through and digging through screenshots and and helping me find to source the stuff. And I'm sure there's still stuff that that person thinks is still very reliable that I'm not going to report because I until I can see a source, I'm not reporting it. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Let's talk about the dog for a second. Let's talk about Hazel. Um, I see Nicole, uh, your post in the YouTube. It's a great question. Uh, Nicole says, do we know the condition of the dog when it was found uh, aside from the different collar? Did it look like, for example, it had been wandering out uh, outside for days? Uh, from the way Kayla described it, the dog was in was perfectly healthy uh, other than a different collar. And 
Um, actually, I saw that this person I was talking to today actually shared with me a screenshot of the post the person had made that found it, mm. that had posted in their community page that found Hazel, and she looked fine. And in the post, she said that she had a chicken in her mouth, but other than that, she seemed fine. Kristen asks, if something has happened and there is foul play, could they get DNA from that dog collar? If, for example, and this is speculating, of course, but if somebody yeah. intentionally did all of that. There was a lot of discussion about that. And I saw a response from Kayla where she had, you know, somebody had asked, like, can they get fingerprints or DNA or something off of the collar? And she said it had been handled by a lot of people. So they didn't think that that would have been possible at that point. Um, I don't know if police actually decided not to check for that. Uh, but that was what she had said was that too many people had touched it. Okay. And Allie says, the dog collar is what's really bothering me. Who would do that? Is there a way to figure out where the collar came from? That's what's making me think it's foul play. But by someone who knows him, because if it was just some random person with bad intentions and actions, wouldn't they just release the dog with no collar? It's like the person wanted to still make sure the dog was recognized as being someone's dog and not a stray. So they'd be taken care of once found. Such a strange detail. It is a weird detail. and. I I know that Kayla had gone into like the tractor supply companies and places that sold that collar to see if anybody, you know, recognized Alex as being in there buying it. It's a pretty common collar, especially, you know, like I, this isn't, well, this is farm country. I'm not a farmer, but there are a lot of farmers around here, but this is, this is a uh, rural ag country where I live. And I know lots of guys that have those same Carhartt collars on their dogs. So certainly not uncommon, very, very, very popular collar. The why is what's intriguing. So, and, and I was thinking a lot about this, and I don't know that I know the answer, but one thing that occurred to me was if a person were trying to misdirect a search, I think that a good way to do that would be to take the dog far away, to take the dog to Maybe somewhere close to home, which this it was pretty close to. It was like five miles from where they live, and let it go there and let it be found. The thing that you have to be careful about in that scenario is what you don't want to happen is you don't want somebody just to find the dog and be like, "Oh, I got a dog," you know, "I'm gonna, I'll, I'll keep it." But if you put a collar on the dog then most people who find a dog with a collar on it will you know post about it right. they'll try to you know they'll try to find its find its owner but if the collar that he had him before and i've seen pictures of the collar she said that his name and phone number that alex's name and megan's name and phone numbers were on the collar i'm i'm thinking the way it looks cuz the only thing i saw hanging off of the collar was the bell that is probably a collar like what i have for mac my 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 dog uh which is it, it's a metal plate that's like riveted into the collar with his name on it. it's not a tag that hangs hangs off of it so if you had a collar like that well you don't want maybe somebody to find it and know right where it it belonged to but even that's it's, it's really hard to think through this but it would make sense to me if there was some some kind of foul play if someone was trying to misdirect police and they, so they release the dog far away like say you know say something somebody did something to him up in Skowhegan. Well, let's go an hour, you know, an hour and a half south 
and drop the dog off here so somebody will find the dog. And certainly they won't think that something happened in Skowhegan and the dog ran for 80 miles. They'll think that something happened here. So that that's the only thing that makes sense to me. It's 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 super perplexing. Well, I do want to kind of give a counter to that um, from Heather, who says, you know, it could be that the caller is a little bit more of a red herring. And I know Susan also mentioned that maybe there's a more innocent explanation. Um, Heather says, you know, if the dog got loose or ran off and chased something, it could have been separated from Alex. If the dog was on a leash or maybe holding the collar that the dog slipped out of, and then maybe something even could have happened to him while he was searching for the dog. And it's true that, you know, one of the things that I, I've definitely been in a situation as well, and I know Heather's saying she has too, that you come across a dog that is not collared, but is appears to be catchable or helpable in some way. And so you find like, we definitely have extra collars. We definitely have extra leashes that you just sort of slip mm -hmm. it on. I guess the question is like, it would just be nice if someone came forward and said, you know, if it's not the person who found the dog that put the collar on, then who is this middle person? Maybe they just don't know that all of this has happened, but it's a little strange. Yeah, it it would seem that that, that makes sense. It, it like you said, it's it's strange because it's such a small town. So you have not only social media, but like everybody's talking about this missing person from this small town, and that his dog was a part of it. That no one has said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I found the dog and it didn't have a collar, so I put this collar on it." It'd still be you know the collar's gone. It's still strange, but it could explain why the collar's on it. I don't know. the The dog is the, the dog is a big mystery. That's the only thing I can think of. And it could be something as simple as, like I said, something happened to the collar and maybe maybe Alex just bought a new collar and stuck it on him. You know, we, the, 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 it doesn't seem like that's probably the, probably the case. But, yeah, the dog, the dog and, the, and the collar are, are really perplexing. And Kristen asks, you know, just looking for more information around that. Has anyone checked surrounding stores who sell the dog collars to see who bought one? Alex's sister checked to see if Alex bought the collar. But. That we, we, yes, we seem to know that maybe he didn't do it or that n nobody in the area, you know, bought that car collar, but we don't know, right, if um, further investigation has been done around where it could have come from. I, I don't know, but that, but I, I do know from from what it seems like that the, the police have really focused their search in that area. So they seem to be, they seem to be convinced that because the dog was found there that Alex would be somewhere in that area, which again is a big wooded area. But the, the the strangest thing about this case, besides the dog, is it's a wooded area and it's hard to find somebody. But he's driving a really big truck with a really big trailer on it. That's so hard to miss. I know people in the YouTube chat have said like, well, you know, you could get an accident and slide off the side of the road and maybe nobody would notice it. But man, that would leave, to me, that would be hard to miss for this long. And if the woods are that dense, that it would maybe with with that size of vehicle, that it would cause yeah. some sort of damage that would be visible in some kind of way. Yeah, you would see know. the road, especially with a trailer. You'd see the you know grass tore up and everything. Like you would, there would be evidence that a vehicle went off the road. Yeah, and someone else said that if he really was having vehicle issues of some kind, maybe that maybe the trailer was separated at that by that time from the truck. But then we have two different things in two different places that still haven't turned up, which. Still seems strange to me, yeah. And and I, Lynn, I saw your comment earlier in the live chat, and, and Lilius echoes it in the Facebook chat, also asking just, do we know anything about cameras? Any cameras that were checked? Any footage that was checked? I know there's been a lot of conversation around that. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any information about cameras being checked or anything like that. I would hope that they were, but, you know, it seemed like the road where, like, Joe lived, I mean, there's, on the way out, the way out of that neighborhood, there's several houses. you think maybe one of them would have. Here's the thing, though. A lot of people keep saying, well, you could check ring, ring cor- doorbells or ring cameras. The thing about those is, so I have ring cameras. You can set the area where it will pick up motion. And the first thing that I did when we moved here and I set up the new cameras is adjust it so that it doesn't cover the road because I don't want the camera tripping and turning on and alerting me every time somebody drove through the neighborhood. I only want it coming on if somebody comes onto my property. Mm-hmm. So it's not like like old surveillance cameras that are always running. Most of the newer cameras are motion activated and most people set them so that they don't go off when people drive down the road. Right. Well, I think that's pretty much what I have. I think we've covered everything. So if you if you posted something and didn't hear um, it, it specifically be called out. Um, I think we sort of did the best we could to compile the information we really did have, get to some of those questions specifically. And beyond that, that's a kind of a mystery. And by kind of, I mean, it's 100% a mystery. It is. And, and, and I hope, I know I've seen through this, we have a lot of listeners that do live in the area and know people from the area. Keep sharing this and, and share it anywhere. Because if, for example, if let's say Alex did take off, it seems like he probably didn't take off to Vermont. He does have friends in Vermont, but they haven't seen him. They they don't you know they haven't heard from him. No one's heard from him. No one's seen the truck there. But you know it's possible he got in the truck and decided just to take off, and he's in California now. We don't know. Nobody knows. So that's one thing that we can all do is to share the post share the the episode even this episode is a good one i think as a, a follow-up to share for with more information in it to try to find them and people that are local you know stay vigilant stay in the groups and look out for maybe any organized searches that might come out i, I heard that that actually texas equisearch we just dealt with in kailana's case I don't know why they, you know, we heard it with, with Josh Amos's case that the Ohio EquiSearch came to Illinois for that one. But then I, I was told that Texas or I saw that Texas EquiSearch was coming up to help search in this case. So um, uh, just keep your eyes peeled. I'm definitely I can't let this one go. I'll still be working on it and digging into it whenever I have any time and uh, any updates that come up. I'll be sure to let you guys know if there's anything anybody could do. But um, yeah, stay vigilant on this one. It's it's a it's it, it's it's a tough one. It's not like the other cases uh, where we had, where it's very very possible that it was it, that it may be a recovery situation, and there's kind of a specific area to be searching for. This one's complex, so I guess I'll I'll leave it that and not, not continue to ramble on it. Do, do either of you guys have anything you want to add before we we end the show tonight? The only thing I can think is, is do we know if they put out his plates to surrounding states for them to be on the lookout for, like the police? I don't know. I know in the flyer, they did put his plate on the flyer for people to uh, be on the lookout for. I don't know if they share. I, I, I like to hope that they would put it into like NCIC and get that information out anywhere so that if it gets, you know, but, but, the, but the only thing I saw, though, was the plate on the truck. I didn't see that they put the trailer plate out there. 
but hopefully that's being done as well. Because I think those need to be spread out, spread around a lot. Yeah, because it could be you just get pulled over or somebody sees a truck anywhere can run that plate. But definitely look at the flyer. Make sure you see the plate. If you see any any big white Dodge Ram 3500 trucks with a, it had, I think it had like a custom bed, like a steel like dump bed or flat bed on the back. It wasn't like a normal looking truck. You know, look at the flyer, check those plates and everybody just stay vigilant with this one. Janet, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I just, I hope that the family gets some resolution and by family, I mean family and friends and, you know, we just don't know what we don't know. And some things I feel like we know that we wish we knew more about very specific things and mm-hmm. we'll just keep our eyes open. And and is this the best place? Like, wh- is there a good hub for people to keep checking in to see if searchers are needed or requested or anything like that? Do you have any recommendations other than coming back to yeah the 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 facebook page that i shared in the episode i don't remember exactly what it's called off the top of my head um but i'll have it linked in the description of this episode and it was definitely linked in the description of the main episode okay join there and if the and if the family is that that that's that group is run by the family so that's where they will post if there's some kind of organized search that the family is asking for help for the facebook group is searching for the number four alex jackson from maine there you go. Searching for Alex Jackson from Maine. And then uh, that's it. And then make sure you tune in this Sunday. I've got another one for you. This is this this next one is a rough one. It is. It, it, there's a there's a call to action in this one that, uh, again, very well could be a recovery. But you'll hear the mother that I'm interviewing, the desperation in finding her daughter. And she need there's a very specific way that she needs help doing that 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 she's asking for. So make sure you tune in this Sunday, and then uh, next follow follow up we'll be talking about that, and hopefully we'll have some updates on some of these other cases as things move along. Okay. But with that, we love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com design created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnick, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. 
Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Can I go? Ahoy, friend. Ahoy. Action. God. (laughs) Damn it. You are listening to the Friday for... You are listening to the Friday follow-up for, damn it, we're not doing a season. We have a lot of questions this week, and Robert, Janet, and I are here to dive into all of them. No, thank you. I made, I made him do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're children. You're both children. <sighs> we have a lot of questions this week. And Bob, Janet, and I are here to dive into all of them. That's better. Thank you. <laughs> I knew he wasn't going to start unless I actually read it. So. Yeah. <sighs> here we go. It went well, though. That was a, it was a good move. That, that felt, yeah. it just felt real good. It just felt good. The first four hours of my day are going to be editing Zach's intro, and then we'll move on from there. <laughs> I can try again. You want me to go again? No. No. Yeah. No. We're, let's call it a day. <laughs>